Okay, so uh, you know, we've been we've been the, the last couple of weeks we've been kind of looking at the heart, is what I would say. We're talking about how we're in this divided time, in this divided country, and it's a very you know divisive. There's a lot of feelings, there's a lot of anger, um, and and some of it you know is righteous and some of it is unrighteous, and and it's on both sides of every topic. And so we've been trying to say like, well, as followers of Jesus, how do we um, how do we like address this? How do we relate to it? How do we engage with these topics and with each other in a godly, Christ-like way? Uh, which is really our goal as followers of Jesus. We are to relate to each other and to the world differently than how the world relates to itself, right? And so our overall verse has been this, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we've been talking about that, the overall verse, that's really our heart. And the overall tag is let what pulls us together be stronger than what drives us apart. And hopefully you received a, uh, a magnet in the mail um, and <laughs> if you didn't, that's okay. We, it just might mean you're not on our mailing list, but we tried to send out some magnets to, to keep these statements in front of you. And so far, the first two weeks, we've done these two things. We've talked about, our the, again, looking at our heart. First, can we see the person behind the stereotype instead of broad brush stroking? Can we see that there's people behind the argument, people behind the disagreement? And then second, can we learn to love our enemies well? And of course, I'm not calling these people our actual enemies, but if the Bible calls us to love our enemies well, can we learn to love each other well when we disagree? Or even if we do think that you might be someone that's an antagonist against me or something I find really important in life. And so um, this week's also going to be about the heart. And then what we're going to do is turn, because I've had at least a few of you ask, okay, Christian, but how do we engage with these conversations? How are we supposed to speak up for an injustice, for example? Um, you know, or are we just supposed to kind of lay back and be quiet? And so, you know, we read some verses last week about how, G, you know, the scripture has a kind of a regular theme of standing up for the oppressed and standing up for the poor. And obviously our vision statement is part of our action, you know, our actions of doing that. And so um, I have a friend, his name is uh, Gino Allison, and he's a, a pastor, um, a black pastor in the vineyard, friend of mine I've known for a while. And he is outspoken about um you know, racial unity and diversity and um, how do we do that in the body of Christ? And he's, I've learned a lot from listening to him and I, I got to meet him recently and we've been talking to him on the phone. And so he's agreed to um, to help me craft one of these next three messages. I don't know which week it's going to be, but what we're going to do basically is we're going to do a Zoom call where I'm going to, you know, ask him some questions and just allow him to really speak from his point of view of having a lot of experience of uh, you know speaking up about issues of injustice and being Christ-like in how he does it. And I think he's going to have some real gold for us to mine. So I'm excited about that interview. We're going to just play that as the teaching in one of the next two weeks, okay? So I'll, I'll send that out, but I'm excited about it. I think that's going to be beneficial for all of us, okay? Um, so this week, though, we're going to look at the heart. And I'm going to start by talking to you a little bit about myself, all right? Um, so I have, I have this thing that I do, and I'm, I'm sure that you all have these things that you do, right? Um, when I get into a discussion or maybe even an argument, um, I, I tend to have this way that I act. And it started really young. I can remember uh, my friend Christine Robinson. A lot of you know her. Um, we've known each other since we were like 12 years old, I think. And uh, she... You know, one time when we were teenagers, I can remember very vividly like where we were. It was at the parking lot of the Girls Inc. building and I was trying to engage her in a conversation, I thought, you know, and when she said, she looked at me and she said, Christian, 
I'm not going to do this with you. And and I don't remember exactly how she said it, but it definitely was like, I you do this is kind of what she said to me. Like, and I and I was like reflecting on like, is that a bad thing or a good thing? Like, yes, I am a crusader for truth, right? Like, I will lean in and find the truth. But what she was feeling like is, no, you just like do this and and you you know, you just love to argue. And I thought, man, you know, maybe that's just Christine, right? And then I got married. <laughs> and Mandy learned or, uh, learned of my ways pretty quickly. And she began to give me feedback over the years of how I fight uh, or how I argue, right? And, you know, what I found out that I do is I tend to pick apart her arguments and, and I don't really listen to what she's saying. So I'm always listening, and maybe you can relate, to for those gotcha moments. It's like I'm hunting for hypocrisy. I'm looking for like, oh, oh yeah? You, you, you think that? Well, that... You know, that proves my point. Or that one thing you said contradicts what you said a year ago. Don't you remember what you said a year ago? Or, you know, A plus B doesn't equal C in what you're saying there. So your whole argument is, right? So I do that kind of stuff. I don't know if you do that. And and it drives her crazy. And and, and the point isn't like, we're not trying to win an argument, Christian. Let's let's discuss. Let's let me hear my heart. You know, listen to who I am. Um, and, and it's just... It, it's this thing, you know, even as I, I used to work at uh, the Barn Vineyard Church where we're meeting Saturday nights in person and, um, you know, my, my good friend, my mentor, Lynn Latchaw, she's one of the pastors there. She, she told me after years of working with me, she finally put her finger on it. She's like, Christian, you do this thing. She's like, when you get really passionate and also maybe disagree, you, you, you do this thing. And she's like, it's like you have this force. And so we started to call it the force and she would say, she would call me out in meetings. She'd be like, Christian, you, I feel like you're just, you're, you know, it's the force again. And it was this sense of I've stopped relating to people and loving them. And I've started trying to defeat them and win. And I really have learned over the years and I'm not perfect, you know, but I've learned that that is a weakness of mine. That's a fault of mine. So when we do online church, what we like to do is have these moments of engagement. Okay. So I'm going to give you this. Uh, what I'm asking you to do is not just be a watcher, but to be a participant. So have you ever received feedback on how you argue? What is the one thing you know you need to work on? And we have a chat moderator, chat pastor. Josh Robinson's one of our leaders on our pastoral team. He's in the chat right now because I can't be, obviously. So he's going to be helping us with that. So just talk about that a little bit as I, as I continue on. So can you relate? Like when you look at society and culture right now, do you feel like there's a lot of grace being given? Do you feel like we, you know, from one side to the other, there's a lot of grace? I would say, obviously, no. And what I see happening in culture and, and what I see happening in myself, which I just shared about, is there's this, there's this um, leaning in to find your mistake. I'm looking for your fault. I'm looking for your weakness in your argument so that I can gotcha. We're looking for these gotcha moments. And we do it with friends. You know, uh, maybe out to eat across the dinner table. If we're talking politics, if we're talking anything, we don't we don't listen to listen. We listen to win. We're looking for those gotcha moments. We become fault finders. Okay, we're like it's like you know those stud finders you put on a wall. That's that's how we're listening. We're like, let me listen to it. Gotcha, right? That's what we're doing. Um, let me find your inconsistency. Let me find your mistake. If it's online, let me find your misspelled word. You know, if it's a marriage, maybe you're like, let me. Let me remember everything you've ever said and dredge up something from 20 years ago. If it's with your kids, you know, something similar. And what I want to talk about today is this. Can we learn to be grace givers 
instead of fault finders. You know, have you ever been in that place where you're afraid to express your opinion? You know, maybe, like, I, this is what I just feel like where we've gotten to, is that we're so, we're so much leaning in to find where you're wrong and where I'm right, where I can prove you right, that there's no safe space for us to discover. There's no safe space for learning or discussion. Like, am I allowed to say something that maybe I'm not 100% sure I think is right? Am I allowed to, like, learn like, can I say something and then learn and grow and then maybe change and adapt? Or like, am I allowed to make a mistake or be wrong? Like there's, can I, am I allowed to have some inconsistency in my thought? Like we don't give grace to each other. We're just looking for fault. We're looking for ways to prove, I see, I told you you're wrong and everything about it is wrong. We're looking for those lean in moments to, 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 to crush, to destroy. See, when we find fault, we can we, we turn people into objects that we can defeat instead of people that we can love. And, and that's kind of the theme we've been talking about, right? And so have you ever felt that like that fear? Like I can't say that online or I can't say that in this group. I can't express that thought or I can't ask that question because they're going to jump down my throat. And that's with Christians. And I just wonder like, is that the best way? So I want to look at this passage and it's really interesting that I haven't planned this, but as we've been talking about, um, you know, looking at our heart and relating to each other over some of these complicated issues and, and, and divisive issues and volatile issues, not just complicated, but, you know, they're emotionally charged. Um, <clears throat> I keep going back to the Sermon on the Mount. And it's as if Jesus knew, like, his most famous teaching is just so deep about relationships. So let's look at this. We're going to read Matthew 7 right now. Jesus says, and I like to slow down a little bit as we look at the Bible and just let, as you read the Bible, let the Bible read you, okay? Let it talk to your heart. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye? When all the time there is a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Okay. So what's the main point right there? The main point, pretty obvious, is you and I aren't perfect. So we shouldn't judge each other. Right? I mean, that's really what it's saying is don't judge each other because you're not perfect. You don't have it all together. Right? So listen, are we grace givers or are we fault finders? Are we quick to give grace or quick to find fault? Do we hunt for hypocrisy? Right? What, how are we living our lives? And so I want to just act something out for you. I'm here. Okay. So I went outside and I grabbed this piece of wood. This is, this is what Jesus is talking about. This is what, uh, what we do when we find fault. Now, you might be like, no, oh, Christian, I'm finding huge planks. I'm finding so much planks of wood and other people. All right. What, what Jesus and what the scripture routinely asks us to do is to look in before we look out. And so this is us. We're like, we've got this, these blinders on. And we're like, wait a second, let me reach out and touch your eyeball. I see, 
I would never let someone do that. I mean, how ridiculous do I look right now? Can you imagine carrying this around in life and trying to like do, you know, go order food from Chipotle or, or drive your car or, or pick up your kids or talk to your friends? Why? What is that piece of wood? Well, I don't, what piece of wood? I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, like after time, this would get heavy, right? And, and especially if you keep it, like he said, there's a plank in your, in your eye. So if I can't keep it here, how am I going to see clearly to know what you are doing, to know how to touch your life, to, to really be helpful at all to you? No, I need to spend time removing the plank from my own eye. These are the words of Jesus. This isn't good advice. This is, this is the words of, I'm so dirty now. <laughs> That was a really dirty piece of wood. This is, these are the words of Jesus speaking to our hearts. Instead of looking for ways to prove people wrong so that we can define their fault, so we can exploit their fault, so we can defeat them, can we look inside at our own issues? See, this is another wonderful and convicting verse from Paul. and He says, very similar to what Jesus, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. Okay, listen. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself. Listen to that. At whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Can we hear that? At whatever point you pass judgment, you are condemning yourself because you do the same things. Mandy, I'm, you know, I'm in an argument with Mandy. I point out hypocrisy in her. You know, I point out like something that she, I mean, not that she's, hip, I mean, in our argument, like in how we build our argument. I'm, I'm therefore saying that everything I have argued so far has been completely free of hypocrisy, right? Which is totally not true. Of course not. I'm not having any grace towards her, but I'm having tons of grace towards myself. Have you ever noticed that it's so we tend to overemphasize the problems of other people and underemphasize the problems of our own heart and life. The same problem. I'm just going to stick with hypocrisy, right? Or, or with like inconsistency in our argument or, you know, with saying one thing and doing another thing. Those are things that like, especially if you're online, people are looking for those red flags because those are great ways to defeat arguments. But but when we do that, like, have we really sought out our own heart? See, our responsibility as Christians is to care for our heart and become more like Jesus before we go removing planks or specks of dust from other people's lives. And he says, you're condemning yourself because you pass judgment. You do the same things. Now, listen, God can judge people because God's judgment is based on truth. Our judgment is not. But his judgment is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on another human being, and yet you do the same things, do you think you will escape God's perfect judgment, which is based on truth? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Guys, that verse is so rich. Listen, here's what I, how I would summarize it. He's saying to us, when you judge other people, you're putting yourself in the place of God in their lives. And yet you are not perfect. You don't judge based on truth. You judge based on brokenness. Your judgment of another person, even if your intentions are right, 
are you can't escape the fact that your judgment comes from some level of brokenness, sinfulness. And if we haven't spent the time looking in at our own planks, we really aren't in a place to offer that. And so he's saying, when you judge others, and yet you are guilty of doing the same things, will not God judge you? And then he does this shift. He says, or do you show contempt for the kindness of God? And why is he saying that? Because it's his kindness that's led us to repent. It's not his judgment. His kindness in the brokenness in our lives has led us to repent. And I just want to just reiterate a statement from last week's uh, teaching. Let the kindness that God has shown us be the pattern for the kindness we show others. And so maybe when I give grace to you, that will actually be more effective in your personal growth than my judgment and fault finding. That's what he's saying. You think your fault finding is going to win an argument, but in the process of winning an argument, you might destroy a brother or sister. Instead, be like Jesus who gives grace, who shows kindness, and his kindness leads to the very change you think you want in that person. And if you really wanted that person to change, then kindness, not judgment, would be your tool of choice. That's what I'm talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about. That's what Paul is talking about. And so you might say to me, Christian, listen, come on. You just keep telling us not to say things. <laughs> it's what it feels like. You know, isn't there a time for correction? Don't we get to offer correction to other people? Aren't we even called to offer godly correction? Yes, we are. There is a time and a place for that. And what I would say is that correction and judgment are different. Judgment really looks to defeat the argument, to win the argument, to condemn the person, okay? Correction looks to the life of the person. And, and one preacher I listened to said that correction is, is, um, is offering, you know, some godly truth from a place of love with the person's future good in mind. Not, not the winning of your, your argument. Like so often when we want to defeat our spouse or our coworker or our friend or someone online, when we, when we fault find and then bring judgment, what we're trying to do is just prove ourselves right and prove them wrong. We're not really interested in the growth of that person, in the future good of that person. In fact, I want to share with you a, a definition of judgment that I'm taking from a pastor at Bridgetown Church in Portland. Um, I, I follow John Mark Comer. He's a, I think he's a really great pastor preacher, writer. This is one of the pastors on staff there, Bethany Allen. And she says, she says this, so I'm going to read this whole thing, but I want you to think about it as we go. I want you to really process that when we call out perceived evil or wrongdoing in another person without loving them, that's what we've been talking about. Here's, here's the kicker for me. When we draw attention to someone else's wrong, just to draw attention to it. Can we hear that? Judgment is when we draw attention to someone else's wrong, to their hypocrisy, their inconsistency, their bad argument, the way their life doesn't line up with what they're saying. When we draw attention to it, just to draw attention to it with no heart for them, for their greater good, for their future good, for their future growth in Jesus, that there's no love there. There's just wanting to show that it's wrong for the sake of showing it's wrong. Is that the heart of God? And then make a declaration about that person's identity, not just their actions. 
It's like when you're in an argument with your spouse and you're like, you are always this. You're making a judgment about their identity. Always rooted in selfish and self-righteous motives. It's, a, it's not really about the love of the other person. It's about us wanting to win. Always producing shame. Have you thought about that? Like, have you thought, this is what I do. This is what happens when I'm not, you know, flowing in Christ-like conversation. When I get into an argument, when I, and here's what I really do, when I get triggered, okay, emotionally, when my anger rises up and I want to win, when I get triggered emotionally, I, I will cause shame. I will do whatever it takes. I will say things, not necessarily blatantly, like, I don't curse at you or call you names, right? So it's, it's under this veil of still being like a good person. And I'm just like, I'm just using truth. I'm just using argument, but I am destroying you and I'm causing you shame. I want you to feel ashamed for what you said, for what you did. And that is not God's heart for people. And I, and I repent of that. And it deals in absolutes. You always do this. You never do this. You are all about this. You are not about this at all. And it leaves no room for grace. So in the comments, here's another engagement moment for you guys. Could you just write in what you think of her definition of judgment? What sticks out to you? What sticks out to you in that definition of judgment? What touches your heart? Okay. Dallas Willard says this, when we condemn another, we really communicate that he or she is in some deep and just possibly irredeemable way, bad. You are just Bad because of what you said, because of what you think, because of what, how you messed up, because of how I disagree with you. You are bad. So bad that you should just be discarded. You don't even count. He or she is not acceptable. And we sentence that person to exclusion. See, correction offers life and and a future good. And I believe in you. And I know who you are. I know your character. I assume the best of you. This doesn't line up with what I know about you. Judgment, there's none of that there. So my question for you guys, my question for all of us, for myself is, are we grace givers or fault finders? Are we grace givers or fault finders? Are we so blinded by our own planks or are we spending time? I want to tell you, um, I've had a couple of examples of people giving me grace that I want to share with you. And so, you know, I, I want to just be honest, like the, the topic of racism is something I'm, I get nervous about talking about. And I, I don't consider myself to, to know much or to be an expert. I do care in the sense that I think racism is wrong. And, and it, you know, breaks my heart that there are children of God who are treated differently because of the color of their skin. And yet, I would say that like, if you follow my actions over my, the course of my life, I haven't really cared, just, just according to what I've done. I haven't educated myself. I haven't, um, you know, I haven't been outspoken. And so, you know, but I am like a communicator. Like, I don't have a problem communicating about the word of God and standing up and, and talking or writing. I create content constantly. So it's a weird situation for me to be in, for me to feel insecure to talk about really anything. But this issue makes me feel insecure, especially because I do feel like there's kind of a gotcha culture out there right now on both sides of every topic. And if I, I'm afraid, I'm just being very honest with you. I'm afraid as someone who's used to creating content and being live and talking and thinking, I'm afraid 
to say much about racism for fear of upsetting people on all, all of, you know, both sides of the spectrum. And that's not a good place to be. It doesn't feel good. And I want to just tell you, like, I've had these encounters with these two uh, friends of mine, Ray, who you guys saw if you watched our discussion on racism. Ray Longwood's a pastor in New York. Um, he's black. And my friend Gino, who is also a black pastor in the vineyard. And I want to tell you, like, both of them have given me grace. They've given me permission to not be perfect. So when I called Ray uh, the first time, this was right after George Floyd. Um, and I just, you know, I, I broke so many rules with Ray. I really did. And, and I'm learning about this. So even, even as I talk now, I'm a little bit nervous and I may say things that you might find wrong. Like I didn't say it the right way or I did, I, you know, whatever. So I'm doing my best. Okay. And I'm asking for you to extend grace to me. But after, uh, after the murder of George Floyd, I, you know, I, I made a couple mistakes when I called Ray. Like number one, I called Ray and I asked him to, to basically teach me. Like one of the things that I'm learning is that you're, it's not a, you know, a white person's response and that shouldn't be to reach out to a, a black person and ask them to explain racism to me, that it's my job to go learn and grow as a person. That doesn't exclude having meaningful conversations, but I really was like, Ray, tell me what to do. And that's really putting Ray in a difficult spot. But, you know, I also asked Ray for quick solutions, like, Ray, what can we do? What can we do? You know, like racism has been a thing he's been dealing with his entire life. And suddenly because of, you know, a couple of current events, I get upset about it. And so, Ray, give me solutions, you know, and it's just, I wasn't meaning to do those things to him, but Ray offered me so much grace. He didn't find fault. He gave me space to be in process. And he said to me, he said, it was really powerful. He said, Christian, you need to give yourself time to find your voice. You don't have to rush. And I thought, man, there's so many different tacks that he could have taken. Like Christian, you need to speak up. You need to, you need to know what to say. I can't believe you don't know what you, you, you know, like it's offensive that you're calling me. Like all these things he could have said. And we, we could have walked that out together. We're good friends. But instead, he just gave me so much grace. You know, Gino, very similarly, I called him. And I don't want to tell you too much about this because I'm going to share more about it in another teaching. But I called Gino. We've had a couple of phone conversations recently. And in one of them, I talked to him about the book White Fragility. So like... I, and I know that book might be a, like a hot topic for some of you. Um, I, you know, I promised Ray that I would read that. And so I, I try to be a man of my word. So I did read it. There were things in it I don't agree with. There were things in it that were hard for me. I would say it was difficult to read, right? And so I, I, I called Gino and we were talking about some other stuff. And then we got onto that book and I just like started spouting out some of my opinions. And it was so fascinating because he was like, you know, I have a different opinion than you on some of that stuff. And I realized in that moment that he was the first black person that I had processed this book with. I had processed it with like um, three of my friends who are white, three different conversations, but I had never thought maybe I should process this with one of my black friends, which is kind of like one of the points of the book. <laughs> and so I like stepped right into that. But Gino had so much grace for me. And, and like, he even said, like, I don't think he had to say this, but he even said that my perspective, he was able to learn some from my perspective too, which is really kind of him. But mostly I just learned and I was like, wow, okay. So tell me what you thought about this then. And, and, and I listened to him. But my point is for this teaching, my point is that Gino just offered me grace that he wasn't like, you know, we'll see Christian 
this is because you're white. Like, he wasn't, like, leaning in and finding fault, even where there was fault, necessarily. He was just, like, and, and he calls himself a bridge builder, which is why I'm so excited about having Gino on for you guys to hear him. Um, he just is, like, like a, a very mature um, voice in the vineyard around race. It has been for, for years and years. So, anyway, I just, those moments of grace were so impactful for me. And, and they, they allowed me to grow. Like, well, I think maybe we could be in danger of, if, if we're leaning into fault finding so much, creating a space or a culture where people actually can't grow because there's no permission to explore. There's no permission to discuss. There's no permission to be wrong. There's no permission to, to change your mind because we say one thing and we're labeled and, and we're, you know, and it's, you're put in a box or, 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 or you're attacked or, or, you know, there's just not a lot of space for, for grace. And so are we going to be grace givers or fault finders? That's the question. In the comments, this is our last little talk, and we've got just five minutes left here. What are some practical ways that you've seen people offer you grace, even when you disagreed or maybe even hurt them? What are some practical ways that you have seen people offer you grace? So I want to talk about giving grace, and then we're going we're to close. I'm going to give you just a couple quick practical thoughts that... Um, you know, from my heart to you of ways that we can give each other grace. Number one, we can give each other the grace of the benefit of the doubt. What I mean by this is we can assume the best about someone else. We can assume the best. When someone says something or, um, or you know, or does something, we can assume maybe they didn't mean it in that way. Maybe they had kind of a, a hard day. You know what we do guys really well is we give ourselves the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, People come at us and we say, well, I just, you know, I just was having a hard day or you don't know my life or I was just emotionally in a bad place or I have too much on my plate. But we don't give that grace to other people. Like someone else says very some, something very similar and we're like, you know, I'll give you an example from my life. So Mandy, uh, very recently and for the first time ever was kind of in a bad mood. <laughs> and uh, she, you know, but seriously, she, she, it was like morning time, whatever. Like she just seemed cranky. She seemed off. And have you ever seen yourself like mature before your very eyes? It doesn't happen very often to me. But in this moment, I thought 25 year old, maybe even 35 year old Christian would have done this. Like I would have been hurt and gotten like sulky and like emotionally manipulated her so that she took care of me, even though she was in a hard spot. That's what I would have done. But instead I like was able to like, okay, I'm feeling hurt, but, but I'm hurt because she's kind of like not acting like herself. And I know Mandy, like this isn't who she is. Maybe something's going on that's making her act this way instead of like, why do you, why do you treat me like this? Or, or you know, and so I said, honey, you just seem like you're not doing too good. Like, what's going on? Can I help you in any way? And, and then, you know, step two is don't fix it, right? But we all know that. So, um, and, and, and I was able to listen. I was able to extend her the benefit of the doubt. She didn't mean to say it that way. Maybe she's having a hard day. Can we do that? You have to be a grace giver if you're going to do that. You can't be a fault finder. If you're a fault finder, you immediately take that opportunity to destroy. Okay? Number two, the grace. We can give each other the grace of self-reflection. The, the grace of self-reflection. Okay? And what, what I mean by that is giving other people the gift of me spending time looking at my own stuff. Okay? Me 
looking at my plank. I can give people this grace. What I mean is like, listen, when you get that, that text, you ever get that text from a friend or a colleague, um, relative, and you get that text and you're like, no, it, it just like explodes inside of you. Maybe anxiety, maybe anger, maybe just like your, your face gets red, your heart starts to pound. Put the phone down and walk away. Or maybe it's a Facebook post or, or, or whatever, you know, like those kind of things. It could even be a, in, in a one-to-one conversation. Like Mandy and I do a lot of premarital counseling. And one of the key um, tools that we teach is the timeout. Like, you know, you trigger each other, like take our timeout, go away for a little while, cool down. So like what we like to do, I, there's always one in every relationship that I've found that needs to solve it immediately. And that's me and hates timeouts. And that's me. But I recognize how important they are. You know, with your phone, you get that text. You actually don't have to respond. I know this is like revolutionary, but your phone isn't in charge. You are. Put the phone down and don't look at it again for a half an hour. Go for a walk. Go for a run. Go talk to someone safe. Don't gossip. Talk to someone safe who you know isn't going to gossip and isn't going to spread it. Go pray. Spend some time with the Lord. And then respond. When we respond in the heat of the moment, right? We don't self-reflect. Why, Lord, why is this triggering me? So why am I so upset? What plank is in my eye that maybe I need to remove, right? We can give each other the gift of self-reflection. We can really fix a lot of fault finding. Number three, we can give people the grace of of wearing their own shoes. (laughs) Now, I don't mean literally. Literally don't get in someone else's shoes. But I'm saying... Putting yourself in someone's shoes. Like, I wonder what's led them to that point. I read something on Facebook yesterday from someone that I know not very well. And I was like, interesting. I didn't know this person thought that. I don't necessarily agree. It doesn't have to change my perspective of them. And I just found myself thinking like, I wonder... Like, it's interesting to me that they would put themselves out there like that. Like, they clearly, what they were saying, they knew they were going to get blowback from. But there's something in their past that led them to that. I wonder what it was. I wonder if I could take the time to put myself in their shoes. That'd be a grace that I could give. What about the grace of being a good listener? Two more, just in case you're wondering when this is going to be over. Being being a good listener. Let me tell you about a friend of mine. Her name's Candace, and I asked her permission. Candace Gifford. Um, she's watching right now. Hi, Candace. That's kind of weird. We're waving to each other, but we, I can't see you at all. Um, she is a friend of mine, and and I think I can say this. Like we uh, we don't agree on everything. But we're not like so far apart that we that we can't talk about stuff. And what we've started doing kind of in the last couple months around issues of race and even some other issues now, some political issues, um, is we've started like dialoguing over text and occasionally over the phone. So she'll send me like an article and be like, what do you think about this? And, and I'll, I'll be honest, like I read the article and I'm like, I'll get like this reaction. So I'll take a little bit of time. I'll think about it. I'll pray about it. I'll, you know, I'll process it. And I'll say, okay, this is why it frustrates me. And and so then I'll be right back with a level head. Like, here's the things I think are really good about that perspective and, and what I can learn. And here's why I disagree with it. And what's cool is what Candace and I share is the desire to view all things through the lens of Jesus and the word of God. And so that's what we're doing. And then I'll send her something. I'll be like, well, what do you think about this? Like, 
I know this is kind of a little bit out on that one side, but like it feels to me like there's some truth in it. What do you think and how does it hit you? And why would someone who thinks the way you think not like this article? And so we get to learn about why people from kind of other sides of topics and what we're doing is we're practicing listening, right? We're practicing listening and that's like a safe environment that doesn't exist for many people and that's part of the problem. Grace of covering over sins. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to be a people of love. That's to mark us as Christians. And love covers a multitude of sins. This is how you can give grace. You know, your your spouse, your friend, your coworker, your relative, that text, that social media post. Whew, can love cover that multitude of sins? Can, can you just give that person grace by covering over their sin, their they're wrong. I'm not saying let people sin against you and forget about it, but I am saying like maybe there's some love, some grace you can extend in that moment. And last one, the grace of doing your own work before offering correction. And I just think like this is this is similar to what I already talked about about dealing with your reaction, but I'm saying specifically when you're about to offer correction, godly correction, you do your own work first. Why am I why do I want to offer this correction? Is it so that I can be right? Or is it so this person can be loved and have a greater good in their future? Yeah. Why do I feel it needs to be me? Why do I feel it needs to be now? Am I responding out of a place of love? How long? Maybe I should wait till I can get to that place of love. Where are my emotions right now? Where's my heart? How's my day been? Like, I really think like offering someone correction, especially around a volatile issue, is something we should treat with uh, some, a level of sacredness, light, and care. I want to be corrected, okay? I want you to tell me things that I'm doing that I could do better, you know? I, um, but I want you to do it out of a place of relationship. Isn't What's our verse for the whole series? Do to others as you would have them do unto you, right? And so, so think about how would you like to be corrected? How would you like to be corrected? And then, and then offer that. Okay, so let's wrap it up. Are we grace givers or fault finders? Are we grace givers or fault finders? That's really where I want to just like hone in on our heart. Hone in our heart. These last three weeks, we're really looking at our hearts. I really think that we can get caught up in the divisiveness and it's just going to get worse with the you know next two months of the political season. Can we be a light in that storm and how? And so um, let's spend a little time in prayer and then we're going to close it out. So wherever you are right now, you know, unless you've got kids crawling all over your nose, it might, that might be hard, right? But if you're in a place where you can just pause, let's just take a deep breath together. If you're on your couch, if you're at your kitchen table, whatever, let's just invite the Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to minister to our hearts. God, I pray for those places in our hearts where we do struggle with judgmentalism. Would you, would you bring your kindness, like you said, that your kindness leads to repentance? Would you bring your kindness that leads to conviction in my heart? Would you bring your kindness and show me where I can tend to be X, Y, or Z, judgmental, fault-finding, hypocrisy-hunting? God, bring that kindness. Show where I can tend to do that. God, show me any relationships that maybe I, I need to actually go back and do some repairing work with. And teach us the way of love, God. I pray that the, we would keep in the forefront the kindness you've shown us. And to remember our own brokenness before we start 
diving into other people's brokenness. Let us show other people the kindness that you've shown us. Amen. All right, guys, let's be grace givers. Let's look for ways to give grace to our friends, to our coworkers, to our, our kids, our spouses, to people in person, people online, people over text. Let's look for ways to be grace givers and not fault finders. And we are looking forward to seeing you next week. Um, we'll be kicking off week four of Polar Opposites. And um, we're going to be starting to head towards some more practical ways that you can engage. Um, so I'm excited about that. We will see you next week.